I was once told that things will get better when I get better. Now, there's so much truth in that statement, but unfortunately, I would later learn that it came out of the mouth of a con man vacating around as something more than what he was, simply a vessel of inauthenticity at all times. Once I had this newfound conclusion, I drew upon another statement that I once heard. Higher rank doesn't equate to a good leader. You see, too many times and too often, I think we all fall victim to our boss's shortcomings. Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe they never sought out to be anyone's leader. They just simply said yes to a promotion and an increase in pay. I mean, who wouldn't do that? But you see, I'm cursed with the pursuit of self-improvement at all times that even I question whether or not I should have referenced the aforementioned boss as a con man. But then again, if the shoe fits, call it a spade. Even so. I've been forced to learn that just because I pursue a better me every day for our shared society, that far too many of our bosses and our political leaders not only don't have those same set of expectations, they also have no clue as to what kind of business they're actually in. And that's the business of people. I've watched people fail at job unbeknownst as to why, simply because their superiors were too afraid of carrying out the tough talks. Or as my guest Dan Fail would say, having the conversations that matter. So with our nation once again being called upon to make a choice at the voting booth in this year's midterms, ask yourself these three things. Does the person you're voting for carry the intangibles as a leader that you deem to have merit, like accountability or empathy? Are they authentic in their approach? And are they capable of having the conversations that matter? Because make no mistakes about it. It's their damn job, too. Bobby Talks. Always more to the story. Welcome, everybody, to Bobby Talks. Dot, dot, dot. Those dots are there to tell you that there's always more to the story. And today's story is higher rank does not equate to a leader. And I'm sitting here with the man, Dan Fail. He is a uh, keynote speaker, professional speaker, and uh, uh, consultant, um, motivational speaker. He's a coach. He doesn't, he doesn't like to uh, uh, broadcast that, but it's there on his website, or website at danfailwith2ls.com. Um, this guy is somebody who's been, I think you said, motivational speaking now for going on, what, 14, 15 years? Yeah, about that, yeah. Dan, man, it is my privilege. I'm so glad and honored to have you on the show today. We're going to be talking a lot about leadership. So how are you doing, man? Overall, pretty good. You know, can't complain. It's only five o'clock out here on the uh, on the left coast. So uh, just had a full day and now get to end it chatting with you. So I'm excited. See, normally at five, I'm taking my nap and you're, you're getting ready to start a podcast. So uh, good for you, man. I'm happy for you. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I will say caffeine has been involved today. Sure, sure. What you said you're on the left coast. What part of uh, the left coast are you part of? I live in Los Angeles. Oh man, I uh, I lived out there for about six months. Loved it. Uh, hated the traffic. So, you know, what's funny is that people are like, "How do you love LA?" And I'm like, "Number one, you pay for the weather. Exactly. Hands down, you pay for the weather. Uh, number two, every stereotype about the traffic is 100% accurate. My sure. favorite is the speed limit sign that's like 65, but I can barely creep over 20 because it's 12 <laughs> yeah. lanes bumper to bumper. Yeah, I feel I feel you on all that. Mm -hmm. But I lived story. out here for almost my life. Well, that the thing is, is that I lived uh, I lived in Burbank, and uh, so you had to you had to get across. I forget the name of the highway. You would know to get into LA right there. Um, mm -hmm. I because I was working at E Entertainment Television, and I was wor working on Wilshire Boulevard right there. Yep. Probably a 10 minute drive without cars turns into an hour, hour and 15 in the morning. Um, if you timed it up right on your way home, if you kind of you, you could get home a lot faster than that. But I just yep. remember I just remember leaving. Uh, you had one mile on your way home to get over six lanes of traffic to get to the off ramp to get it yep. so that you can get home. If not, you're going to go a mile down and it's going to take you another 20, 30 minutes to get back to where you yep. want to be. Easily, 100%. Yep. And especially if you're not in a carpool, then there's no way to even try to navigate the like, well, I can't cut out an extra 30 seconds. By exactly. Mm -hmm. I feel you. Yeah. So, Dan, I, I, I've been wanting to do this show for a while now. Um, and it's just this idea that 
for whatever reason in my 35 years of life, and I don't know about you in 42, but you've been doing kind of your own entrepreneurship here for a while. So you've kind of been your own boss, your own leader. Um, and maybe, maybe there's a reason for that, but I can just tell you before we get into like the big head of the, you know, uh, of authority, like, pol you know, politicians and things of that nature. Cause I really want to talk to you about Gavin Newsom, uh, and mm -hmm. just your perspective and thoughts on him. But I just think about my 35 years of life and I think about the amount of bosses that I've had in different jobs, especially in education. So I've taught in education the last eight years and I've had a lot of different administration come in um, mm -hmm. all with, you know, new ideas of their own, new agendas, ways yep. that they think they can get it better. Uh, and sometimes, unfortunately, maybe more times than not, I've found people that don't really care. Um, I, I've come across some really, for lack of a better word, shitty bosses. Um, mm -hmm. I've had some okay bosses. And then I've had bosses that think they're killing it, but always shy away from like the conversations that matter. And nope. I've only really had probably maybe two or three really good bosses in my lifetime. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that's a fair sample size for most people? Or am I just having a bad experience? I don't know. I would say that you are on par with a majority of people in the world, right? Not even just America, but in the world. Um, and because there's an adage that people don't leave, you know, jobs, they leave bosses, right? Like right. people don't leave positions because they could be happy with their employees. Like I have left um, two different jobs that I loved who I worked with. I loved my colleagues so much. Had an okay boss in one of them. Had a boss that I really didn't see eye to eye with on another one. I only lasted a year. Part of that was a cubicle sucked my soul to live um, a little bit. And so I had that like coming into. So my mindset was not perfect in that point. But I think, you know, I, having worked for myself for the last six years and really in five, five weeks ago started another full-time job, um, seeing that shift of two bosses. So I report directly to the COO. Uh, and then, but I'm on a weekly call, uh, with the CEO and they check in, I mean, they've checked in weekly. Hey, how's everything going? What do you need on our end? What are the systems that we need to fix? And, and out of a genuine care and concern, um, whereas that hasn't happened all the time. So I think that some of it, I think a lot of it depends on the people that we work with. I think we can do our jobs. We were hired to do them. So I think we're, we're good at whatever that task might be. Uh, but that supervision, it, it really is make or break, you know, and I've lost when I supervised people in a, in a prior position, uh, lost one within six months. They had one foot out the door when I started, but at the same time, like it doesn't feel good to be a boss that you think that you're doing okay. And then it's like deuces. Um, and so I, and I asked, I used to ask, what am I not doing? Well, what am I doing? Well, what right. should I improve upon? Right. And, and because it's hard feedback to take. But damn it, that's probably some of the most important feedback is to know what you're doing well from your employees or your supervisees point of view, but to actually listen with the intent of you might not like what you hear and to not get defensive or excuse away whatever they're saying. Yeah, you know, if we were to take that down and just like dissect it down to just like the individual level, forget the ranks there, forget boss, employee, right? That's you should be asking questions if your boss isn't at or telling you what you need to be working on or even you know complimenting you at times too because that that's crucial as well um you should be hey am i doing everything correct um mm -hmm. because i kind of fell into a trap for a while where like okay i'm not hearing anything so i must be doing my job well and i had an ugly exit from a from a job that i worked at for six years one that i loved um because I, you know i was my eighth boss in six years and I had kind of been like, you know what? I've been here longer than you. Um, I didn't have that attitude about me. I was very much a team player and very much, um, you know, I, I took on a lot of jobs. I was doing more probably than I should. And I felt at the time that I had, um, you know, communicated that effectively. You know, like, look, I, I kind of need some help with some of these things. Yeah. The problem is, is that, um, you know, a lot of times if you're not asking questions, and you're not hearing from anybody, you just assume that you're doing a, you know, a good job, but that's not always the case. Yeah. And at the end of this run with that, that particular place, I, you know, I got it thrown on me like a couple things, like, you know, you should be doing this better. You should be doing that better. And I kind of came back defensive where I was like, where have you been 
telling me this because I've been doing this particular job now for no. X amount of years. You, you understand? Well, so, and it's that, it's that if you're only doing feedback loops once a year, or, and sometimes it's not a loop, right? Usually it's shit rolls downhill and that's where you get the negative feedback or positive, but it's like once that. a year. And so like, if you're only doing it, then you're doing it wrong. Right. And so, and that's something that I, you know, when I worked in one position and I was only there for two years, but I remember when I got hired, my boss at the time was like, whatever you do, don't lose your administrative assistant. Like she is a saint. She has been here. She's been in all these different jobs. We need to keep her. And he was like part-time of part-time, right? I only had her 8 a.m. to noon, only nine months out of the year. And I had never met her when I started. And so my first day I was like, hi, Miss Margie. My name's Dan. I'm your new boss. Uh, (laughs) So, but, and she told me at the end, she retired. Actually, she came out of retirement and then re-retired. But at the end of that uh, year, she stuck around an extra year. And so when I was out the door, when she was out the door, she was like, of all my years, you're one of the best supervisors I've ever had. And if there's there's something from a 70-year-old woman coming out and just saying, like, you're one of the best bosses, and she's done textile work, she's done admin work, and just knowing that's a good feeling, she was like, you made it enjoyable to come into the office. I might not have been the best damn boss, and I will acknowledge that all day. But damn it, if I didn't want a good team feeling. Did we all get along? Not all the time. Did shit roll downhill? Yep. This is what came to me. Now I've got it to you. And this is where we're at. (laughs) But like, I wanted people to feel comfortable to voice their opinions, even if they were significantly different than mine, because that is in and of itself, how you create a team, but then also an exercise in vulnerability. Empowering them. Yeah. hundred percent. And so finding ways and and, that's, you know, you alluded to it, but like one of my catchphrases is creating the conversations that matter because I think too often we skate by conversations all day. It's like, Oh, Hey Bob, what's, what's, what's up? And you're like, Oh, I'm fine. Okay. I didn't, I didn't ask how you were. I said, what's up. Right. So, cause we just, we're so ingrained in the, like, this is my day and this is my whatever. And we don't really open ourselves up to, to peopling. Um, and so I like to, in the topics that I talk about, take uncomfortable conversations and make them relatable, tangible, give some action items, but in a work environment, either the boss is like, this is the way it has to be period done. And if you're not open to feedback, then you're not going to grow as an organization. Right. Uh, Like, I think the most nimble organization, excuse me, maybe the most successful organizations are also more nimble because they're open to that feedback. And so like looking at Amazon when they first started was like, we're just going to sell books because books (laughs) don't go bad on a shelf, right? Like that's it. Yeah. And now like looking at their growth, like it's all come from easy to read one page memos of like, Hey, what if we did like a buy it now? What if we did a people who bought this also bought this because everything came back from what makes the consumer's process easier. Say what you will about Bezos, but Amazon as a company has taken that philosophy and really like, implemented a bring an idea forward no idea is is a bad idea but let's make it only easier about the consumer not about profits you know and i feel like far too often the people that you know um get the praise like that are you know these big figures in our life that are successful leaders you talk about you know they kind of create some of the most friendliest environments as far as workplace goes they they are asking even the bottom person on the on a total pole for ideas because that's what got them to where they are how's come this isn't emulated more at basic jobs you know it, it's funny how power corrupts even at the smallest towns yeah. and a lot of times you know, just because, uh, you know, I talked earlier in my, in the intro about like higher rank doesn't equate to a leader. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe because there's money there, they they have no interest in being a leader. They just want the money, but man, I just feel like we're falling short of what could be a great work environment. And for that boss, they would make their life a hell of a lot easier if they just realized that this is a people business rather than just a business business. But, but the problem is, is that shareholders, stakeholders, sales reports, right? Like that has been the determining factor of success for far too long. And so again, the companies that take risks, are you really willing to take a $100,000, million, $100 million, billion dollar risk, right? Like, 
are you willing to go that far? I mean, not to go in too much into politics, social justice, but like look at Adidas and, and yay, like like that that is a whole thing that Adidas dropped him two weeks after he made anti-Semitic comments. Yeah. So like that wasn't about we stand, you know, with our with our Jewish brothers and sisters. That wasn't about that. That was, oh crap, look at how our stock tanked because right. people are holding us slash him accountable. We need to make that separation too. And so that was a profit-driven decision that two weeks after the fact of statements being made of like, I can say this and they ain't going to do nothing. Well, finally they did something, but like, look at how that occurs. And so like we, the consumer have more abilities to control the market than we think, but the companies have provided us, right? Like marketing ads, everything says, this is what you need to be successful. Well, who defines success? We've let companies, corporations, whatever define success, but really we should own what success looks like for us because then that's our metric. Am I happy in my job? Am I successful in my job? What does that mean? What does it look like? Do, am I happy living in LA? I'm not happy paying as much as I do in rent, but I do like the weather. So it's a trade-off, right? So like, exactly. am I successful? Could I move to the Midwest and own a house? Yes. Am I okay with renting now? Yes. Right? Like, and so because I'm going to have to call a landlord to fix the sink. That's something I ain't got to do. So right. like, and you don't want me to fix the sink. Trust me. So yeah. I think looking at how we define success, companies specifically come to bring it back. Companies are a little scared to fail in that regards because that means that they're taking a risk and risk doesn't equal profits for their measures of success. Right. I just... I, you know, like I said, I come from the world of, you know, I've done education. I've also done retail. I've done some other things as well along the way. I've done radio. I've done, I've done TV, um, things of that nature. And again, I go back to this idea that it's like, I don't care if you're, you know, in the corporate world or if you're in the education world or wherever you might be, this is a people business. And, and I feel like the more that you can wrap your head around the idea that like, if, if the person I'm employing, you know, it, maybe he's in charge or she's in charge of two or three people. If if they're kind of doing the same thing, making sure that they're taking care of checking in, you know, supervision with, you know, accountability on their own end. What can I do to be better? Um, too often, I just haven't seen this. And you talked about that, uh, you know, your administrative assistant, 70 years of age, who says you're the best boss she's had in 70 years. That's 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 criminal in a sense because and in a sense just because she shouldn't ever got that long you know she sure. you know she did come from a different age or a different time you know but mm -hmm. at the same time think about that dan i mean you've kind of given her her last taste of the working world she thought was you know a job well done and that's you know mm -hmm. commendable so and again i think why do part I, of I, that I, I, let me ask you the question though right. why do we not look at this more as a people business because then we have to treat people like people right because then we got to care a little bit more but isn't that um, what we always want treat us like oh, we want to be treated want yes ah, 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 ah let's break let's break this down right okay it's a golden rule right yeah so what's the golden rule well, tell me what's the golden rule treat others as you would want to be treated yes however what if i told you there was a platinum rule Okay. Is so this Barney Stinson, the platinum rule? Okay, go right, ahead. Right, right, because right, plat platinum is better than gold, depending yeah. on the market. Um, so, um, but like thinking about it. So if the golden rule is treat others the way you want to be treated, meaning I treat you the way that I want to be treated. Sure. We are two different people. Right. So the platinum rule says that treat others the way they want to be treated. Okay. I can, right? I so can, my method of communication might look very different than yours. So if I'm going to come at you with my specific way of communicating and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not into all this hippy dippy. Like, don't come at me with, with relationship stuff. Sure. No, thank you. Tell me about bottom line and numbers. And that's what I want. I'm an accountant. Damn it. <laughs> I can't come at you interpersonally. I can't come at you with the same regard. Right. So if we want, if, but if I want to treat you the way you want to be treated, that means, go with me on this, I should get to know you so that oh. I can treat you the way that you want to be treated. Oh, I already know this. <laughs> right? Which means I need to be curious about you, which means I need yes. to ask you questions. My buddy James Robolata is a speaker as well, and he's all about the power of curiosity. And we've lost the ability to be curious. And I love 
Um, I've loved asking people rather than like, tell me more about blah, 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 whatever. I'm always, well, I'm curious. What do you mean when you say this, right? Because I'm curious. So right. it's not about you, right? It's I'm curious about whatever you are saying. So it's not the like, well, you're wrong. Tell me what you mean by this. Right. It's opening the door for, I don't have all the answers. I've never said that I have all the answers. So if we can approach interpersonalism in a way from curiosity or in a way that like, uh, and my buddy James just posted today, like, what if you went into conversations knowing that you might be wrong? Like, how would you listen differently? Yeah. And I think that's a, a great little nugget that I, I take with me in general of like, and I'm not going to have all the answers. I know a lot of stuff about a lot of things. I also don't know a lot about a lot. And so you can't you, come You know of- enough to, to be at the table to have a conversation, but you also know that you don't know enough that you have to continue listening. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and to come back to the whole supervisor, supervisor part, right? Like I was very vulnerable with my boss last week. And I was like, I feel like I'm missing the ball. I feel like I've dropped the ball multiple times. What on what? I'm not sure. But I also feel like I'm missing it. Am I? And I flat out said, like, am I doing what you hired me to do? Because I feel off. And I think that's just a personal feeling. But I want to make sure. And he's reassured me multiple times since then, like, hey, you're doing a good job. You're doing exactly what we wanted. Relationship building. And that's the reason I was hired for the Western region for this job that I have now is that, like, I know a lot of people out West. And I'm pretty good about just creating relationships and conversations and because I just want, right? Like, it's not that, can we all just get along? Like, I'm not asking us to sing Kumbaya, but I'm asking us to come to the table and have a good conversation. And that I think is what we've gotten out of the habit of because it's the, your line, your line, your line, now my line. Right, right. Yeah, Dan, I gotta tell you, man. Uh, so you just gave a name to something that I've been doing. Um, so I've been, I've been a basketball coach now for the last seven years and Dean of students, athletic director, full-time teacher, all these things. And, you know, a lot of times in the interviews, I'll sit down and they'll say, what's your biggest strength? And I always say that I give people a voice. They'll say, what's your biggest weakness? And I'll say that I give people a voice. And a lot of, a lot of times that's because, and I do approach people with this idea of like, okay, you know, we talk about love languages within relationships and whatnot. It's like my love language doesn't match your love language. I have to approach you with your love language a hundred percent get that. So the platinum rule, it, it trumps it now forever in my mind. You just educated me and I appreciate that. Yes. But with that being said, I think there's a level, there's still something missing, right? Mm-hmm. There's this, this level of, of leadership that's missing. And you, you talked about it. It's, you know, you need to be curious and we're not curious. Why aren't we curious is why I'm, I'm curious about why we're intrinsically not curious about our mm-hmm our employee or the people that we work with, because, you know, the only thought that I've ever had with this is that maybe it makes their life more difficult. If I know them on a personal level as well to make Mm -hmm. business like decisions. But I would say you still can make business like decisions, have business like conversations that matter Mm -hmm. and still have a working relationship and personal relationship with someone. I, I think so. I mean, why, why why don't we have that? We are selfish. We're selfish human beings, right? Like let's own the fact. And I think we can all say that we, and I will fully admit my ex-wife will also admit that I am selfish by nature to an extent because we all are. Um, I think the problem is, is that we've confused some of the selfishness with our lack of empathy uh, or care for others. We've also gotten into the like me, 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 everything is me, 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 like blinders on what's in it for me. And, you know, that I would have joked with people, the WIIFM, right? That radio station, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. That is what rings true. If you want someone to buy your product, well, what's in it for them? How does it make their life better? That's successful sales, right? It's that whole like Simon Sinek start with why. Why would this make me want to buy or want this product? Um, what's kept us from being more curious with each other, I think, is number one, the lack of empathy and time but really the lack of ability or lack of uh, conversation skills, right? What, what people consider soft skills are the yeah. fucking hardest, sorry, are the no, hardest. dude, skills. go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> right? go ahead. Like, you call them soft skills, but we know the entire world is run off them and they are yeah. the hardest ones to quote master. And I don't know many people who have truly mastered those soft skills, right? So 
So why do we then demonize a leader or follower or put a title wherever? Why do we demonize them when it's like, hey, so tell me about your day? Like there are times where I'm like, I got work to do, y'all. Like I don't have time for this mushy stuff. Like, and that's me. And I liked some of this stuff. <laughs> but even then, because it's the like, I, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I still have to go because I got to pick up, you know, my daughter for for volleyball, uh, for club volleyball. And I got to get my son to theater stuff, right? Like I'm like, I got to do all this. Because again, it's my life, what I'm doing, where I'm at right now. And so in that zone of selfishness, we very rarely want to make time for others that we don't know. Um, and what I love about the team that I'm currently on right now is that we're all spread out all over the nation. I'm the only one in the mountain or Western time zones. Um, and so they moved staff meeting from 9 a.m. Eastern. Thank God, because that would have been 6 a.m. I would have been physically present, but not able <laughs> right, to do anything. Um, but like we start off and every Tuesday, we probably spend the first 20 minutes of the meeting. Hey, what's going on in your world? Right. And most of us have kids. And this is one of the first positions that I felt fully comfortable being like, I got this for my kid. My son's in a, in a commercial. My daughter's doing this. Like we're, it's one of the first times that a lot of people have children. And I think mine are probably some of the oldest, but like it's valued that you yeah. can, like you've got a kid running in the background. You got a pet that's angry at, you know, a male person, right? Like life happens and we bring all of that to work whether we shield it away from others or not right we bring all of that with us so why not why not let your people feel seen and show up fully and authentically them right like and we worked in education not at the same place but we both worked in education i remember being told well you're a director and directors have to wear full suits now, keep in mind, this is the South. This is North Carolina in the South where humidity is a thing. Oh, I so know. like me in a suit, your boy glistens quite regularly. <laughs> like I could think about the gym and start sweating. I have gym stuff all over my apartment right now. Have I used it? No. It was a good <laughs> thought in COVID, but it did not work. And so like I would like full suit and I would walk across campus and just and be drenched. And I'm like, it looks more unprofessional for me yeah. to be in a full suit not even ring around the collar. The collar's a different color, right? Not a good look. As opposed to, let me dress how I feel comfortable. I will look professional for the day. If I got a meeting with the president, I will dress up and bring a portable fan. I don't know. But like, right. let me bring me. And this is one where like, I got tattoos and people are like, oh, you have your tattoo. You should lower your sleeve because of your tattoo. I'm like, it's of my kids' names. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. And so- it's that level of shield yourself from professionalism. But what the fuck is professionalism anyway? Right. And so, right, like, I think there's a time and place for who you are. Cool. Why can't I bring some of that to work? I'm not going to be on my team call with everyone dropping f bombs. That's there's a respect level there because there are families and it's a it's an environment that is not like brought. It's not fostered in my current work environment. That's fine. Right. Also, like when I'm on a stage and a majority of my audiences are, are corporate teams or organizations, but a vast majority are higher education students. And so like, why would I dress up in a suit and tie? And I used to feel this the first couple of times, like, let me dress up in a shirt and tie so they take me seriously. No, no. Like, let me show up as me. Let me right. show up in my like polo and jeans and nice shoes so that I still look presentable. But like, that's me. And that's going to help me show up as me. I think effective work environments allow you to show up as yourself because then that already takes down part of the wall that we put up coming into work in the first place. No, that's huge. It, it's absolutely huge. And, you know, it's it's giving people that empowerment to be themselves, their natural, true selves. Mm -hmm. um, and when you can tap into that, you're going to get a better work environment. And I, and I ultimately think you're going to get a better product or a better school or a better whatever environment on the other side. Um, I want to kind of talk about something that we we mentioned a little bit. It was this idea of, um, you know, you wanted to be better. So you ask questions of your boss, like, am I doing what is asked of me? I, I do think intrinsically a lot of people don't focus on self-improvement the way that or self-growth the way that we would like them to, right? If every single person did that, there would be a level of trust amongst each other. You know, you wouldn't have to have tough conversations as much because people would constantly be in this, like this self-awareness of like, Oh, I need to make sure that I'm, I'm doing better. 
With that being said, I do think, and I've witnessed a couple bosses now, truly probably the uh, the biggest con job that I've seen um, mm-hmm. was someone uh, presented themselves as all the things, all the things that you would want to hear. I'm here to listen. Um, we need to build a team. Um, you have a voice, things of that nature. But what I learned as we went was that, um, and I don't know how familiar you are with the growth mindset model about like trying to reach an executive state of mind. But like, I, I got to a place where I grabbed onto this model and I was like, you know what? I, I, I do find myself to be emotional and I'm, I'm an empathetic guy and I wear it on my sleeve. So like, I really wanted to harness those emotions, um, and kind of control them as best as I could. But then I realized that the person that was kind of mentoring me in that situation had lost all emotion and became so data driven, so analytical that they were so cold now to human beings. And they forgot that really where the space is, is that place in between emotional and executive Mm -hmm. is where you probably should live. And I'm so glad that I had the experience that I did, no matter how ugly it was, because it led me to that conclusion. Yeah. But this gentleman's 60 years of age and still never figured that out. Why, mm-hmm. what, what's your thoughts on becoming too self-improved that you kind of can't see the trees through the forest anymore? For sure. Um, well, and so keep in mind that my current environment is I live in Los Angeles, which is like the land of self-improve the number of self-help books that i have in a stack here in a stack ask me how many i've read not many but i own a lot of them uh Uh, that but that's what la does though right so like how many how much of the genuine self-improvement is there versus like i need to look curious about some of them but reading does not ignite me the way that it once did um but you know and i think some of it when we when we think about self-help i do think that there's has has almost become almost like a toxicity uh to it and and i see it a lot especially with you know like life coaches and and some of that where it's like just be positive and think good thought like this whole toxic positivity stuff like that doesn't work um it excuse me it doesn't work for everyone right just like meditation meditation doesn't work for everyone i try I can't calm this down quite enough to get in my like Zen. I also have taken some different meditation classes, just different ones, because my first one turned me off for quite some time. Quick story. My first meditation class was on Zoom. So already there's that. I had my kids, my son's at the kitchen table playing Legos, which is not a quiet activity if you're like (laughs) building and rebuilding and crashing stuff around. My daughter, I think, was on uh, FaceTime in the other room with her friends, also not necessarily a quiet activity. And so here I am like, like trying to like, (laughs) trying to meditate. But the woman, and so there's like three of us in this Zoom room, and she is a licensed practitioner that I was referred to by my own therapist, um, or like the, the, she was, I was a referral to the system and she was put in me or whatever. Um, So I'm in there and she's like, okay, close your eyes and find your inner sunset. And I'm like my inner sunset, because I can look and see an external sunset, which is quite nice because my inner voice is as snarky as my outer voice. So I'm like, okay, find it, find it. And then she gets so close to the microphone. Oh yeah. Peace. And then rings a damn gong. And so it's like, peace. <laughs> and if you want to shake me out of a meditative state of sunshine or sunsets, like that's going to do it real quick. Yeah. And, and after 20 minutes of this, as someone who's like, hi, this is my first time, 20 minutes, I want you to fathom more than five minutes of silence with a woman banging a gong saying in peace. <laughs> and see how well that works. And there's and one of the women had like a full like a full blown experience. She had a break. She was crying. She was like, "I just realized part of my childhood." I'm like, "I am doing something wrong here." <laughs> but she had been coming for t- for multiple times. Sure. So this was like, I think I was accidentally put in an advanced class. I don't know. But in those moments, I realized that's not for me. Right. I then later realized that type is not for me. 
So my meditation that I don't really do on a regular basis is that I will, before bed, look at my daily wins. I'll look at, I'll make a list in my phone. What wins did I have today? I did a great podcast with you. I was able to take my son his tap dance class or my his tap shoes at school because he forgot them, right? Like I'm able to do some of that. Those are good wins for me. I used to go to bed feeling really shitty about the next day because I felt unaccomplished. I felt busy, but not productive. And so when I started to flip the script, like, is that just be positive? No, that's acknowledging my wins in a different mental meditative state sure. than others. And I think so often I would, I would hear from other people that's like, well, it's just your aura and you need to fix your vibe. And i finally realized that's like, when they say vibe, it's vibrations, like your vibrations are off. I'm like, I don't, I sorry. Like, I don't know what you mean. It's like, well, if you just need to increase your level of vibration to understand it, I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like every, and so all these gurus are talking at a 30,000 foot view and I'm going to need you like at my six foot two stature to help walk me through this at a basic of basic levels. And so too often to come to that part of growth mindset, we're like, well, it's just this, like, why don't you understand this? when we haven't given them the skills to build the foundation from there. And that comes back to relationships, curiosity, asking questions, feeling invested in the work that you do to bring meaning to the work that you do versus just doing the rote work that's always expected of you. That level of can you build a stronger foundation on whatever is built on is incredibly important. So like, yeah, I live in LA in the land of hippy dippy stuff, um, but like, Will I participate in a drum circle? Maybe. I don't know. Is it my thing right now? Uh, but if a friend was like, let's go, I'd probably go. Um, but like knowing that there are types, right? My way to do something is a way. It's not the way. And yeah. I think if we as supervisors, leaders, followers, employees, whatever, humans are to were to approach it of like, oh, that's an interesting way to do a podcast. I don't agree with the way Bobby does it. Okay, well, that's a way to do a podcast. It's mm -hmm. not the standardized way. Right. And I think that's where we could approach things with more curiosity of like, well, what would I do? I know that I don't want to host a podcast, but what would I do if I did? Cool. I like it conversational rather than like, here's your six questions. Yeah. It's me, because that's what I like. Doesn't mean that's what everyone likes. What do you think we can do then? I, I, I have the answer, I guess. I, I didn't want to just ask you a question, but like, so one of the things I did, I, I actually specifically taught a leadership class. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea was spending a lot of time on social, social emotional learning, spending mm -hmm. a lot of time on soft skills, you know, basically, you know, working on these intangibles that make up a good leader. My very first unit to go back to the word intangible is to sit down and I want you to think about the people in your life that you consider to be, you know, role models, leaders, and not just because they have, you know, the ranking of mom and dad, you know, because not all moms and dads are good leaders or good role models. Think about the people in your life that you genuinely look up to that you think hold that, that type of, um, you know, admiration for them and dissect the intangibles that they have that make them a good leader. When we did this, uh, I did this with juniors and seniors the last couple of years. When we did that, it's it's astonishing when you come up with a list. You know, I say, come up with a list of 10. And then you have all these kids together and they write down their list, their list. And now you got all these different things, but there's some commonalities, right? Yeah. And when you have empathy and you have good communication skills and you, you know, you, um, golden rule was one, but now we're going to change it to the platinum rule. When you have these types of intangibles um, and you look at them, in a, you know, through a magnifying glass, when you look at the leaders at the political level, mm. they don't match. And mm -hmm. I, I know they do. I know, again, it's, it's uh, depending on who the audience is, yeah. but like a lot of the times it's like, maybe they have three out of the 10 or maybe they have, you know, five out of the 10, but they're not, you're never gonna have 10 out of the 10, but like, it's the idea of like, is anybody even breaking down their own intangibles, dissecting themselves and asking, okay, yep. if this is what I look for out of a leader, am I mm -hmm. encompassing these types of intangibles in my life? Because if you yep. can do it on a, on a you level and everybody does that, then it will take care of itself. But that doesn't seem to be happening either. Why do you think that is? Right. Like 
Um, I don't know if you ever watched The West Wing. Um, it's one I, of my I, favorite. I watched like the first ten episodes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of my absolute favorite shows. Aaron Sorkin, I think, is a, a genius when it comes to some of that writing. Um, I say that because uh, there was one episode in particular. It's it's part of a presidential race that's happening. Uh, and there was like a religious test, right? Like one of the candidates lost his, his, his faith, so to speak, because he lost his wife. And so he was having a crisis of faith. And so people kept asking him and they were like, well, why are you going to church? And why are you doing this? And the bishop has said that he's happy to give you communion. And then the other one said that they're not going to give you communion. And there was all this back and forth. And he turns around and in a heat of just like authenticity says that if you were asking for for someone to agree exactly, if you're asking a politician specifically to agree exactly with you, then you are asking to get lied to. And I think that's what we're almost expecting of our politicians is that we're expecting them to agree with us on every single aspect of what I, Dan, what you, Bobby, like want or see as this is what it is. You we've set them up for failure as politicians, as humans, because then we expect that they've never changed their mind. I right. love politicians who, who flip-flop and not back and forth of like, let me now go for the big voters. And now that I'm after this, it's the ones who after five years are like, wow, there's some studies that came out. Uh, I was wrong. The fact yeah. that Bill Clinton says that the, um, the don't ask, crime, don't tell. Crime bill, no, the crime bill. Right, I think it was the crime bill of whatever. Um, God, I forget the years at this point. Nine, ninety-eight, maybe. Okay. Um, he was like, "That was a bad bill." Like it was the three strikes bill. Oh, yeah. He was like, "In the time, it made sense." Why? Because diversity was a thing, but it wasn't a thing in terms of representation. So, like, it made sense at the time for them. He has since said that that's one of his biggest mistakes of his presidential career. That's massive. Now, he could never have gotten away with that while running for re-election. Right. Because you have to placate. You have to take the generalities, right? Like, I hate the politicians who make it through their, their initial run, and then they are the main, you know, candidate ticket, um, or excuse me, the main endorsement for that party. And then all of a sudden, their, their one stance that got them there, it's like, well, now it's more of a this. I'm like, no, say it if you mean it. <laughs> Don't say it if you don't mean it. Right. And that's where we've set them up for failure because we've expected a, a cut and dry approach to politicians and aren't allowing them to be human. Now, I'm so I'm so glad mistakes. you said that. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you said that because two years ago when I my first season of this, I, I sat down and I said I, I did a three three um, episode deal where I had a panel of independents on. This is during the election. Had a panel mm -hmm. of independents on, a panel of Democrats, and a panel of Republicans. And I just kind of mm -hmm. wanted to get to know them. Instead of them all being together where it would get ugly, I would rather just let's just talk. Let's just hear each other out here. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the things that I came across during that time is 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 this idea that um, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here, but. <clears throat> It'll get to me. Give me a second here. Yeah, no, uh, That's why I love it's podcast and not live radio. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what you, what you just mentioned, you were just mentioning at the end there, you were just talking about. Well, there's an authenticity that we expect. Oh, no, no, I got it. Sorry. <clears throat> I, the, the whole idea was, is that I, I, I changed in the sense of like, you know what? I am no longer looking at our leaders the same way. It used to be I thought it was top down, right? I, I, I mm -hmm. blame the American people for the way our government is. I blame the American people for the way our media is. I, 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 we don't expect better. And until we do, when we keep falling trapped to, you know, supporting blindly a, you know, the captain of a team, no matter which party it is, without, you know, you know, because we're looking for affirmation rather than information, it's on us now. So I'm so glad that you said that because I do think, you know, I used to ask this question. I would say, do you think there's more good cops or bad cops? And I would get people that would say there's more good cops than there are bad. And then I would say, okay, with that same type of rational thought, do you think there's more good politicians or bad politicians? And they always give me the opposite answer. And to me, that didn't make any sense because mm -hmm. they would say, oh, well, power corrupts. Well, Police officers have power too. So why is one okay for the other and not for, you know, not for the other? So I don't because, know. Again, 
internally rationalize this. You, I mean, you already said it, right? Like, because in our minds, we have made it up, right? We don't have the, the, the uh, rubber band mindset, right? That growth mindset of like, can you stretch yourself to understand that this is the same concept of power, police politician, right? But yet your rationalization from either personal lived experiences, maybe that's different from whether what you've seen or heard, that's always different depending on the people. But again, the breakdown that happens, and I'm glad you brought that up about your show, the breakdown that happens is our inability to freaking listen to one another with actual open ears as opposed, like we've approached life as actors. My line, my line, your line, your line, this is how I'm supposed to react, but this is what I'm really thinking that nobody can hear, right? We've approached it from that regard where some of the funniest movies are improv. The best outtakes are all mess ups and mistakes, right? Like, and and I usually, I used to do a keynote um, where I talked about like the the PR issue of, of organizations. And it's this like, how many of us have watched uh, animated outtakes, right? Like they've animated outtakes in Monsters, Inc. And like all these different movies, they are animated, which means someone drew them <laughs> as outtakes right that was a staged outtake for you so like it's all made up <laughs> so if we can if we can acknowledge that that some of the stuff has just been delivered but i think that some of the funniest outtakes are where you can see people break character think about snl right saturday night live the funniest sketches that some of us remember growing up regardless of season, because I got my opinions right. of which ones were good, but like we're the ones where people broke character. Right. Because again, that shows us that they are human, that they can laugh and that like, yes, it's funny in that moment. And that level of authenticity is what we, I think we've kind of gotten rid of because we're so used to comparing what's, you know, like it's that whole comparison is the thief of joy. Right. I'm comparing my current situation, my current life, to everyone else's highlight reel on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, on whatever. And I'm comparing that and saying like, I don't have a good life, but I do have a good life. I'm just comparing myself maybe to the wrong people. And the mute feature has been heavenly as an addition <laughs> to Facebook and Instagram. But looking at it from the sense of, again, who defines success and can I authentically answer that and vulnerably answer that? And that's what I think a lot of both politicians feel like they can't be authentic or vulnerable. Leaders feel like they can't be authentic or vulnerable. And that is the foundation of, of building a good relationship. Any relationship, work relationship, uh, romantic relationship, podcast, podcasty relationship is an ability to break down and be who we are and show up as who we are. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I feel like, see, it's, I love these podcasts because I feel like I always learned the name of the thing I've been doing. Um, it's like, oh, I, I, I have been doing that. Um, it's good to know that. Um, with the same vein of what we're talking about, though, when you talk about authenticity or you talk about um, self-improvement, whatever it is at, at any level, at, you know, if it's just, you know, the, the, the low man on the totem pole all the way up, there's a sense of awareness that has to be able to take place. So I'm going to ask you this question. How, how much of the population of people are even capable of self-awareness to a point, because I'm, I'm equating this to intelligence, mm -hmm. but maybe I shouldn't do it intelligence. Maybe it's just... I talked about that growth mindset model. How many people yeah. are even capable of achieving executive with their IQ, with what they've been given, whatever they were born into? Because I do think some of that plays up. Like to just come out and say everybody can achieve executive state of mind, I also think is is not a fair, um, a fair yes, view of our people because I think our people are, are all over the spectrum when it comes to levels of comprehension and capabilities. Yeah. I think everyone has the potential. It's whether we have the opportunities, right? Right. So, I mean, we can explore this whole, the whole paradigm of social justice when it comes to privilege. Um, and so like, can someone who's never been afforded the opportunity for a good education have a growth mindset, the same as someone who went to a private school all their life 
and has been given opportunities for that or the books for that. And so I, right, like there's that, there's a family environment. Are you always shut down at home from your, from your parents, from your guardians, uh, if assuming you have either, do you like, is housing insecurity? There are some people who can't get to a growth mindset because they're either not afforded the chance because they are in like base level Maslow <laughs> trying to get that food shelter security. Right. And that security piece is something that is, is missed across the board, across the board, teams, organizations, relationships, every security. And when I say that, I mean, safety, safety. Yeah. Do you feel, do you feel physically and psychologically safe to be open and vulnerable? Because that's going to get you to the growth mindset. That's going to get you there. But if I don't feel like if I can't bring up that, I don't, I feel like I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing, then I'm going to bottle that up and it's going to fester. And then I'm going to blow up uh, when my boss is like, well, why didn't you do it this way? What, what do you mean I didn't do it this way? <laughs> and so it just festers in that negative regard. So you have to feel safe. And so companies that don't feel safe or don't want to take risks aren't going to grow in that mindset approach of, well, let's try something new because they, because if I want to, if I've got a new system that I think could really improve a lot, but if I think I'm going to get fired, if I bring it up, I'm never going to bring it up, which means never the company. Bring it up. So being able to feel safe, like I'm not going to get beat up if I'm vulnerable with you. You can't reach through this and beat me up for me being myself and vulnerable, right? But if you and I were having this conversation and you started to square off about this growth mindset, bro, then like I might be like, okay, all right, yeah, 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 sure, sure. Growth mindset, growth mindset. <laughs> and I would shut down. I don't, I don't like confrontation. I can cause confrontation. I'm not, I'm decent at dealing with it in the moment. I still don't like confrontation, but that's also a part of life. And so for those of us who can get to a place where growth mindset is possible, I do think everyone is capable of some facet of it, but it's a comfortability with it too. So let me do a quick example for you. So like cross your arms, like you don't want to be in the room. Like, right, like, which is what most people are anyway. <laughs> so you got it. All right, now take take note of, of where the arms are, which arms on top, which arms on bottom, right? You got it? Mm -hmm. All right, now shake it out. And now cross them the other way. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm not even how's sure that, how. <laughs> right? You've never questioned right and left so much in your life in that moment. You're right. Like, I got it. No, yeah. Right? How's yeah. it feel? Uh, awkward. Right. Feels a little awkward. Feels a little weird. Yeah. But that's also what growth mindset is. Yeah. That's what doing something different. Is. This is a pattern getting in a comfortable pattern. That's all that is. But if you were to practice it differently, that's going to feel a little bit more comfortable after time. So like yeah, the pattern that we have and the privilege that we have to stay in our comfortable, comfortable pattern or be challenged in the pattern is what's going to allow us to grow in ways that we never anticipated, whether that's individual group, team, organization, whatever. But don't you find, though, that more people are just not willing to step outside of that comfort zone, um, you know, with in, in the reasons, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. But I just feel like, you know, I think the reasons these emotional or uh, uh, not emotional, but like, uh, yeah, you could use the word emotional, but like uh, inspirational quotes, you know, work or videos work or passioned people work is because you know, the people watching them are at the masses of not doing that. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. wh why, wh what can we do? How do you solve this to get us all yeah. to a place where we, I mean, I know the opportunities, you know, you have no control of when you're young and even mm -hmm. when you're older, but it's like, I, I tell my juniors and seniors, I'm like, look, you, cause I, we definitely talk about privilege cause it exists, right? Even if you deny it or not, it, it, it exists. But I would tell them, I'm like, Look, you were given a bad hand. Now you have to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you have to work harder. But now that you've acknowledged it and you know that you were given a bad hand, mm -hmm. if you don't work harder, that's now on you. Yeah. I would, right, like I check off a hell of a lot of privilege boxes. I am a straight white male and like 50% of marriages, I've mine ended in divorce, right? So like I am on par as an average but privileged white male. And I'm sure. tall, so I also check that box, right? So like- <laughs> Screw there, you. I have, sorry. <clears throat> that wasn't shade, it wasn't men as shade, but it just kind of, um, 
right? But there's that part. And so looking at it, like I can acknowledge those areas of privilege and still work to not only unpack my own privilege, but to give voice and assistance to others. That took a long time to really get to. I mean, I was I was the better part of mid mid late thirties to where I finally was like, hmm, what if I'm the problem? <laughs> right? It's the like maybe okay. I should. And and really, part of that too comes from for me, especially where I've stepped into my own self, happened because of the pandemic. Yeah. Look, Bobby, when you're a public speaker. And all of a sudden, you don't have a public anymore because everything shut down. You question life. Like I was curled up fetal position on this couch for the better part of 2020 and yeah. and and struggled to make ends meet, to pay child support, to live, to buy groceries. Like I struggled. I still am in a place of more privilege than most. But I also knew in December of 2020, December, I think almost like, I think it's 6th or 7th of 2020, I had my ass kicked by a friend and he was like, you're going to do this online program. And I was like, cool story. No, I'm not. Uh, and he sent me, he was like, VIP is 160 bucks. Here's a hundred. You have no excuses. And I was like, but my bank account says 20. Uh, so I'm like, that's an excuse. But, at, you know, it, I went on a I went on a limb and I was like, what do I have to lose <laughs> right. at this point? My apartment, but most everybody in LA was losing their apartment anyway. So like par for the course. Again, that's a safety of if I had to sleep on my ex-wife's couch, I knew that was an option. Right. That's the safety. That was a physical and biological safety piece that I had, didn't want, but I knew I could acknowledge. Right. And so being able to, I think grow or being faced with the precipice of I can stay on this couch and stay the same. Or I can finally figure out ways to address what I'm feeling, but then also show up better and how I used to or how I think I see myself. Right. And because there's yeah. the like how you see me, how viewers are going to see me, but then how I feel like I show up. And I jokingly tell people that I'm the same this way as I am on stage. It's going to feel like a conversation because I don't want you to feel talked at. I want right. us to feel like we're having a good combo because yeah. that's what matters. And so I think finding ways to acknowledge whatever you need to unpack. And I went to therapy weekly. Boy, I'm still in therapy. Like, let's be honest, because I want to be not because I have to be right. because that's where I can get challenged and grow a little bit more because I'm asked the harder questions. If we're not asked the harder questions, we become complacent. We become comfortable. Maybe this job's not right for you. Well, what's the job that you might want? That's scary. I left a full-time job with dope benefits to go in employment for myself. And then two years later, a pandemic hit. Yeah. Bro, timing is not my strong suit. Okay. <laughs> but knowing that I still, am, I love what I do and I'm, I'm working my way through all the debt that I built from the pandemic, but it's work. I like the work though. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like the work that they do because number one, working on ourselves sucks. But we got to acknowledge that we don't have it all together and then we can move forward. Totally agree, man. Totally agree. That in a nutshell was like my curriculum for leadership. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I, I definitely I definitely appreciate your your insights on all those things today. A um, couple things before we roll, because we're an hour in already. It's funny how God, we are. All right. We, we talked about like what it. we wanted it to be. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome. I think what I'll do is I'm going <laughs> to shelve that. And I'm going to have you on again in the future, and we'll really dive into that because I have a lot of friends that um, they crumble to that thought. I, I, I have it daily. I, I've left my education world. I'm an entrepreneur now, and every day I feel like I'm playing entrepreneur and saying the same thought of like, uh, oh, man, I was very busy today because I made myself busy, but I was not productive. I got nothing done, and I made no money. Um, yep. So that's a whole thing. Let's shelf that. We'll come back to that on another episode, if you wouldn't mind. Um, the last few minutes here with just the elections around the corner, with the midterm elections around the corner, mm -hmm. you know, all across the country. Um, in your particular case, I want to talk about Gavin Newsom because okay. it, I think, and this is just my opinion, but I do think he's going to end up getting the uh, the Democratic Party nomination um, over Biden. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because there were a lot of Democrats that left LA, you know, like the mm -hmm. Joe Rogans of the world and a lot of people that felt like, uh, you know, 
Gavin Newsom is I have friends that moved back home to Michigan that lived out there because they felt mm-hmm. like and these are hardcore liberals who felt like at the very their freedoms were being infringed upon like they couldn't do anything and they had enough of it um i i just i'm not trying to get in the the political realm just as a leadership the intangibles of the man how do you feel gavin newsom um has done for your california state i will turn this into a general a generality type of a statement um, but it is the way that I feel about the, your question about Gavin Newsom. I think he has done the best he could with what he had with the information given at the time. And as human beings, for fuck's sake, that's what we should strive for, to do the that's best That's all you can do. Can that's all you can do. At the time with the information provided. And sure. you got to be good with that. I think, can we look back and be like, oh, well, maybe this wasn't like, and again, I lived in LA, one of the strictest lockdowns in the country. And like, that sucked. But at the same time, like I approached it from, this is a public health piece, not a, like, I want to be able to go. Like, did I want to go? Yeah. Is it safer for me to stay home? Yeah. Am I still curled up in fetal position and caught up on Netflix? Also, yeah. But like (laughs) the job that he did, I think he did the best he could with the information and with a state that while California is very blue, we are a very divided state. Sure. Like we are very red, very blue and some purples. A lot of people um, don't realize that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean like really California in terms of San Francisco uh, and LA, like that's blue. <laughs> that's yeah. the two parts. And by the way, for those that aren't ge- geographically knowledgeable about California, they are not close to each other in the state. No. It's my favorite friends that are in town. I'm in San Francisco, come say, hey. No bro, that's an eight hour drive, minimum, minimum. <laughs> <laughs> That's with no traffic. It's an eight-hour drive, uh, and so like knowing that those two populations, but then a lot of red exists in the Central Valley. A lot of red exists here in LA, uh, and so I think knowing that he had a state of farmers that had to work, yeah. knowing that he had a state of business people who had to shut down, that Silicon Valley had to close. Right? There are so many facets that I think he did as best as he could. Uh, and, and I, I give him props for it. You know, like, did he make mistakes? Yeah. He's fucking human. We all do like give the, like give everyone a little bit more grace. Yeah. Not excuse their behavior, but maybe a little bit more grace. Yeah. It's something that, uh, you know, they, that in my world of education, I, you know, I told the students, I was like, how many times have we said, here's a list of consequences and how many times have we shown mercy and i think that's crucial to do even with your leaders now how many times do they get to repeat the same mistakes that's a different question altogether and then you got to start holding people accountable but Mm -hmm. i'm with you i i I just was curious what your thought being you know that you are from california you live there um and uh i i do feel that way gavin newsom's gonna end up being uh the um if you're if you're left-leaning or if you're a democrat Mm -hmm. i do think he's gonna end up getting that uh ticket i could be wrong um, yeah. but we'll see what ends up happening. So, yeah. And that's where like, I'm happy to make that decision once it all happens, but midterms wise, for those that are, are listening during midterm season, or if you happen to be listening to this in two years during the election season, again, sure. read everything yourself. I got a friend yes. of mine who is deep into the NFTs and, and web three and his whole thing is do your own damn research. Yeah. I will read all of the freaking packets of information and make the best decision that's for me and my family but also I will look at it as a common good. Will I yeah. vote for something that might raise my taxes if it helps someone less fortunate or less privileged than me? Yes, because that is a privilege that I have and I'm okay with. Right. Do I wanna give 50% of my income away in taxes? Preferably not, but where, like, again, where is it going? Decision. Who's it helping? You know, that's something that was discussed on that. It was the non-negotiables. We all have mm-hmm. our non-negotiables and it seems like right now abortion is gonna be a big one in a lot of these states that, um, is a non-negotiable for people. So, you know, you got a lot of politicians who, and I, th- I do think it's good that they have at least come out and said, this is what I believe in. It's okay yeah. that they're on one side or the other, you know, and this is what I believe in. It might change. And I think a lot of times people, like you talked about with Bill Clinton, a lot of times people, you know, think that yeah. this is the way I am and it's the way I have to be forever. And it's like, no, it's okay for us to say that the, the don't ask, don't tell policy of, you know, the mid nineties, it was not the best thing. It was the best thing at the time. And everybody, 
you know, thought that was an overwhelmingly successful program. Yeah. Now we can look back and be like, wow, that was such a, a hindrance and ugly thing. But yeah. at the time, you don't know that. So, mm-hmm. um, Dan, man, I'm going to give you uh, a minute here to say what you want to say. Plug anything you got to plug. Um, yeah. Just uh, where can people find you? I thought this mm-hmm. was a great conversation. And uh, we were only going to go for 30 minutes. We went for twice as long. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, this was good. Thank you. Um, and, you know, the name is Dan Fail. Uh, it turns out not that many exist in the world. So all of the, the general social media is at Dan Fail. That's F-A-I-L-L, two L's, because I'll go twice as hard in failure. Um, uh, so the website's danfail.com, Twitter, Dan Fail, uh, Instagram, Dan Fail, LinkedIn, Dan Fail, all the things. Um, happy to work with teams, organizations, human beings, just to, number one, create conversations that matter. But like you alluded to, like I've really started to lean into my last name and look at failure as the pinnacle to success. And I also want to flip the script so that we can acknowledge that everyone has imposter syndrome at some point in their life. And how do we actually address it and overcome it? Well said, man. Well said. Uh, for those of you that were listening, made it to the end, we appreciate you. Uh, if you're new, subscribe, you know, follow, do the whole thing. You can do that uh, with Dan's uh, Instagram and his socials as well as mine. Go to YouTube, hit that follow um, button. Always, always, if you're a leader, if you're listening to this, please, at the very least, treat your humans the way, well, the way they deserve to be treated. And uh, just remember that it's your job to have the tough conversations that matter. So be sure to have them. Uh, For the rest of us, be human. See you down the road. Thanks.